Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. You're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of the metaverse. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Max Ross, VP of Engineering Infrastructure at Roblox. We'll be talking about our infrastructure, how it's grown, and the unique challenges we face in making our platform more reliable and scalable. Let's get started. Max, welcome. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited to be chatting with you. I, I was I was digging around in Google to see the last time that I was on a podcast. I think it was 15 years ago, and I think I was just talking into a phone. I've got all this cool podcasting equipment now, so I feel I feel awesome. I'm happy to be here. Well, Max, you look especially fresh today. And for those people in our audience, um, in addition to customer service and moderation and our safety teams, Infra is one of the groups at Roblox that is a 24-7, all days, holidays, you name it, team. So I just want to highlight max it's it's great seeing you today kind of it, it just kind of being in such an awesome fresh state thanks yeah every uh every day is interesting when we're working to keep roblox running for everybody so i'm not so sure if people who've been playing roblox have any idea behind the scenes behind Roblox Studio, behind our clients, on all devices, behind all the amazing fun content, is that there is this thing called infrastructure where this is all running. It just doesn't happen magically. What is infrastructure, Max? So we've got this amazing product, right, that's enjoyed by millions and millions of players, uh, developers, creators. And we've got all these amazing Roblox engineers and they spend all day building this product. They're building Roblox Studio. They're building the social features. They're building all like the amazing graphics features. And infrastructure is hopefully the thing behind the curtain that makes all that possible for all of those other Roblox engineers. So when they're writing their code and they need to get it running, they're running it in a data center that the infrastructure team is responsible for. When they need to store data in a persistent way, they're using databases that are provided by the infrastructure team to make that possible. So the greatest compliment that we can ever receive in infrastructure is that nobody notices us. We're really here to make everybody else successful and productive. Yeah, it's interesting to think they don't notice it and at the same time, with some of the things you mentioned, whether it's persistence or us su supporting services or us supporting the actual 3D physics simulation, the average person on Roblox is probably interacting with our infrastructure hundreds of times per minute, if not hundreds of times per second. It's true. You can't escape us. I, I mean that in the nicest way possible. It is underpinning, you know, pretty much everything that's happening when you're interacting with Roblox. It's exciting to, to be able to play this role. So as we start to describe the uniqueness of the Roblox infrastructure, maybe we could uh, roll the clock back just a little. And, and Max, could you share at a high level what kind of infra you were working on before you joined us? Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been, at, I've been at Roblox about a year and a half. 
prior to Roblox, I was at Google for 15 years. And I spent 12 of those 15 years working on Google Cloud Platform. I was an engineer on one of Google's very first cloud platform products. It was called App Engine. And App Engine was all about making engineers more productive. It was infrastructure in this category of things that is today called platform as a service. And the idea was that uh, Google had built all of this interesting infrastructure over the years, and we wanted to make it available to all of the engineers out there who didn't work at Google. And so this really sort of interesting challenge of trying to figure out how to take this really scalable, but in some ways difficult to use these systems um, and package them in ways that made them really easy to use for the rest of the world. And, you know, it's it's not an accident that that I landed at, at Roblox after this time at Google, like these solving these types of problems of building really world-class scalable infrastructure, but making it really, really easy for people to use. That's a big part of my role here as well. So we mentioned our users north of 50 million a day who are touching our infrastructure hundreds of times a minute and might not know it, which is what we like. We have a whole class of developers on our platform who make all of the experiences and a little bit of history for a long time developers used our infrastructure without knowing about it and then a long time ago i think we introduced what we would call our first infrastructure for those developers which was a thing called persistence where within the roblox experiences for every person coming to their experience, for example, they could keep a high score or a number of coins or something. And then way, way back, there's a third group who were the engineers at Roblox. And that initial group of engineers was two or three of us using infrastructure, which was, I think, one web server and database server on the same box. Can you tell, share just a little bit of the you know, the difference between internal engineers who are directly accessing our infra and all these Roblox developers who kind of are using some of our infra as well through our APIs. Yeah, so this is this is one of the really interesting challenges here. You know, you might look at it and you say, oh, well, these are these are fundamentally different groups of engineers. You've got your internal engineers, they need one set of things. And then you've got developers who are creating all of the amazing content on the Roblox platform. It's a different group. Maybe they need something different. But if you zoom out enough, I think these things start to blend together in interesting ways. I think we're at a thousand engineers now, like a thousand engineers who are building our product every single day. We're way past the point where in infrastructure, we can talk to all of our internal customers. And it's a thousand and growing and growing. And you know, there's millions of developers out there the persistence needs of these groups on average are probably not that different from one another. And so then that starts pointing you towards, well, should they really be using different systems or should these be the same systems? And where we are right now is in some cases, um, they are different database systems that are used for, that are used by external developers versus internal Roblox engineers. But in some cases it's the same. And I expect to see these things coming together more and more over time as everything continues to scale out. There's another funny anecdote when Roblox was first getting started. We, at that time, there peak concurrency is a great metric for any kind of interactive platform. It's how many people are using it at the same time. 
And I remember an investor told us, if you hit 10,000, that's starting to be very serious. So at the time, our internal engineers were developing infra that would hopefully support 10,000. Fast forward, now we have external developers with experiences that will hit a million plus, which is a hundred times that. And so this, this goes back on your thought of the similarity and that our external developers are now interacting with the infrastructure that's a hundred times more scalable than what our whole platform was a, a while ago. I mean, the, the the growth has been amazing. One of the things that I like to reflect on, and, and I, I first learned about this during my, my early days at Google Cloud Platform, is that there's different dimensions of scale. There's the scale of just you know raw requests per second coming into a system. But then there's also the number of different parties that are responsible for generating that traffic. Talk about multi-tenant systems. This is massive multi-tenancy, right? And so for Roblox systems supporting our internal engineers, you know, we've got a thousand engineers over, you know, a bunch of teams. I don't know, let's call it like there's a hundred different tenants that we might need to support. Then we've got our external developers, like there's millions of tenants. And you combine the dimension of just raw requests per second coming in and the possibility of millions of tenants. And you've got these two dimensions of scale that you need to figure out how to solve at the same time. They're different problems requiring different solutions. So this is something that we need to solve within our infrastructure. It's fun. For all of us who are interacting with Roblox through a mobile phone, and we start talking about the magnitude of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and what I think we'll share some of these at RDC, but could you give us a rough idea? Is this one location around the world? Ten, how many locations around the world are Roblox infrastructure sites roughly today? Yeah, so I, I like to split it into two categories. We've got what we call our edge data centers and we've got our core data centers. I believe the updated number on edge data centers is 26. We've got 26 around the world. And then we've got our core data centers and we've got two core data centers fully deployed, but worth noting that these 26 edge data centers, they're all active at the same time. They're all serving Roblox users. The core data centers, we've got two, but at any given time, we're just serving out of one. It's sort of one or the other. It's worth noting that these edge centers are where all the 3D simulation of reality happens. So when I'm playing Roblox and I might happen to be in India, for example, I'm getting really good performance because we're building and have built out a data center in India for the simulation. And I'm really excited that we've started putting these all around the world. Um, I think we've got them pretty much everywhere, Max. There's a couple spots left, but we've got pretty good coverage. And you know, low latency is so important to our players. And so being able to have these edge data centers around the world close to where people are playing and enjoying just makes a huge difference. There's one other thing that I believe we do in addition to the data centers. And in each of these data centers, we have hundreds and hundreds of servers. There's also another thing that people in the infra I've heard talk about is bandwidth, which most of us who are home consumers think about, okay, I'm on my Xfinity. I've got a hundred megabits a second or something. 
And I've heard our infrastructure team at times talk about our bandwidth. Can you share a little about what that means and the size of that? Yeah. I mean, because low latency is so important, we've just invested a lot of time and energy and innovation into to building out our own global network. And our goal really is to get Roblox users traffic, like the data that they are generating in and out of, out of their phone, their tablet, uh, their laptop. We want to get it onto our network as quickly as we possibly can so that we can then move it onto the correct location within our edge data centers or core data centers, again, as quickly as possible. When we control the network, we can really optimize that. I believe the latest statistics are 2.8 terabits per second outbound, which is which is the a lot, lot, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. Because there's a jump between megabits and terabits. There's a gigabits jump. So that's right. It's a lot more than my average Xfinity uh, connection. That's right. Yeah, it's it's really a massive amount of network traffic that that we are moving through as quickly as we possibly can because that's such a key part of the experience. Max, you've eloquently just shared bandwidth, servers, data centers, and there's some amazing cloud providers out there as well, whether it's Google, Azure, AWS, and others who do a wonderful job offering these things as a service. We use many of them and have great partners with them. And at the same time, we're heavily invested in a lot of our own stuff. Can you share why and, and what's the balance we make when we build our own edge data center in India rather than possibly using a cloud provider? Yeah, this is one of the things that I think makes Roblox infrastructure pretty unique in the industry and, and certainly interesting is, you know, we're not we're not anti-cloud by any means. Like you said, we've got great partnerships with a number of these cloud providers, but we are mostly on-prem. And for our most sensitive, our most low latency workloads, like these things are running on our own machines in our own data centers, and we're managing it ourselves. We're not doing it because it's like, it's not a point of pride or anything. We're doing it because, you know, we think it's the right thing for our product. We think it's the right thing for our users. We think it's the right thing for our business. And so when we choose to run something on-prem, usually falls into one of two categories. It could be a situation where we believe that by doing this ourselves, by having more control, being able to fine tune how the system works, you know, from the hardware to the network, to the exact software that we're running, we think we can deliver a better experience to our end users. And you know, this is a, this this is primarily why these edge data centers we're we're running them ourselves is because the the low latency that we get from managing our own network and our own hardware there, it's really core to the experience of people who are enjoying our product. The other bucket is I worked on Google Cloud Platform for for many many years. Like I have an enormous amount of respect for what goes into building these things. As a customer, you can spend a lot of money on a third-party cloud provider. And in some situations, it's possible for us to really save a lot of money by doing some of these things ourselves. And then, you know, there's all sorts of important things that we can then do with that money we save, investing into the business, investing in our developer community. And so in both of these situations, uh, it really helps make Roblox a better product, better for our users, stronger business. It also happens to be a lot of fun to yeah. build a lot of these things yourself. That's not a good enough reason to do it, but but it is fun. Yeah, I, I want to compare and contrast 
maybe two infrastructure use cases. One would be imagine a awesome insurance company with 10,000 people on a user interface accessing core database enterprise apps. And in the other case, imagine Roblox, where we um, at peak times have millions and millions of people in 3D simulated reality where the experiences themselves are very unpredictable. They're made by our developer teams. Our developer groups um, and the Roblox community, each of these experiences pushes infra in weird and different ways, compute, caching, persistence, events. I've watched our operations channel and we can see these creative developers pushing each of these dimensions independently. Could you share a little just the size of these differences between a UGC infra and maybe an enterprise infra? Yeah, I mean, we are we are really operating at the scale of the internet. That's that's the easiest way that I can describe it. I mean, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of servers. And at this scale, with our developers who are like incredibly creative, right? Like one of the one of the one of the one of the interesting things of, of working on infrastructure at Roblox is that we've built a platform. And the thing about a platform is you never know what your customers are going to do with it. Um, like it's open, it's an open platform. And so they will always surprise you with their creativity. Uh, they will find ways of doing things with your infrastructure that you never could have predicted. And so at this scale and with this amount of flexibility that we offer to the people who are creating the experiences on the platform, um, being able to have control over how it's deployed, like it's pretty different. Like again, no, nothing at all against the insurance application that you just described that has 10,000 end users, but you can drop that into a cloud provider without a lot of difficulty. And like, they're gonna have everything that you need. It's more predictable, certainly from an infrastructure perspective, it is more predictable. And if you've exposed your system via UI, like the people who are using that UI, they're, they're, they're largely limited by what the UI exposes. Maybe there's an API underneath the hood, that's fine. But, you know, it's unlikely that you're going to get a, a community of millions of insurance application end users sort of programming against that API and trying to That's stretch right. it in unusual directions. I think actually it's the predictability, right? Because we may see situations where a developer in a positive way wants to, with a million simultaneous players, write to a single key value key across all 1 million of those instances millions of times per second, because that's just how they have coded their game. We might not see that from the insurance app, but we would like to handle that from a Roblox app. And I think you can comment on it. I think things like hotkeys are just one little metaphor of kind of what you see from UGC. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great example for the, for the types of things that that we see and there's the scale of all of the developers who are creating these experiences and then it explodes into all of the players who are then consuming those experiences so there's almost like two dimensions of unpredictability from the roblox infrastructure perspective like we don't know what the developers are going to do developers don't know what their players are going to do and we have to build an infrastructure platform that is as resilient as possible to all of it so Max, I can't recall if you've been here 18 months or two years, but in the last 18 months or two years, 
we've done so much and moved things forward so much on our infra. Can you share a bit about some of the changes we've made during your tenure? Sure. I can kind of divide this into two categories. The first category is reliability, the reliability of our systems. We are always looking for ways to make Roblox a more reliable system for our players, for developers, for creators. And, you know, reliability is not the only thing we do within infrastructure, but it's just this sort of common thread through everything that we do because of the scale, because of the unpredictability, just because of the sheer number of moving pieces and servers and machines and services, like we know that things are going to fail. We do not believe that it is possible to build a perfect system. And so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to build a system that is resilient to all of the imperfections that are that are guaranteed to be there. So over the last 18, 24 months, there's really been a major focus on up-leveling the reliability of our systems. I'll give you one specific example for many years, Roblox has been running on database technology that I would describe as single node database technology. Like the database runs on a single machine and you've got mm -hmm. backups and things, but if something happens to that machine, like your users will probably notice it's, it's not catastrophic, but your users would probably notice there might be like a little bit of downtime while we fail over to the other machine. There's been a multi-year effort to transition from single node storage to what I call distributed storage, which means that the data lives on multiple machines at the same time, and it's synchronously replicated, and there's it's a lot more resilient. So, you know, you can lose a machine, you could lose 10 machines, and your users wouldn't even notice. So there's been this major effort underway to transition from um, this sort of more traditional database technology to next generation database technology. And that transition's underway, but today, like, you know, every week we're, we're moving a little bit more towards this distributed storage technology. And it's cool because like the machines that the data is stored on, they're not just within one core data center. Now they're in multiple core data centers. And so that increases the resilience of the system even more. So I don't know, that's a, that's a pretty big change yeah. we've been working on. Could you share, Max, maybe for our listeners out there from a resiliency um, there's various levels of things breaking we could imagine. We can imagine a hard drive failing. We can imagine an internet connection failing. We can imagine a power supply failing. We can imagine a bigger, heavier piece of serious equipment, I don't know, load balancer or something failing. And then we could even imagine the, the very, very rare occurrence of these very, very hardened, secure data centers there's always a one in a billion chance of something happening there. Is it ultimately possible to solve all of those failures as we get to active, active uh, with multiple data centers? Sorry, Dave, bad news. I don't think we'll ever solve all of the failures, but what we can do is become continuously more resilient to all of them. One of the interesting challenges of building sort of large scale infrastructure is that as you continue to scale, everything happens, right? Like even the rarest event, if you're handling enough requests, if you've got enough players, if you just have enough flowing through your system, even the rarest thing will eventually happen. And so we get to go through this fun exercise of approaching system design with as much paranoia as possible, trying to imagine everything that might possibly go wrong 
and then trying to figure out how do we design a system that could be resilient to these things. Because you know the thing that we describe as like, I don't know, one in a billion today, a year from now, the system might be five times as big. And so one in a billion, like it's actually going to happen a lot more often. These super rare things, as you scale, they become common. It's this really interesting exercise. The specific examples that you gave, we want to be resilient to all of those things. We want to be resilient to hard drive failures, network failures. Like our network is designed so that if a certain part of our network is having errors, like we can in real time, just reroute the traffic through a different path through our network so that we can keep serving our users. The distributed storage example that I gave, hard drive failure, server failure, network segmentation, the whole point of designing and building these types of systems is so that these things don't interrupt us. That's such a lovely form of constructive paranoia. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of an example when I was really young of hearing about the Apollo guidance computer where they had a bunch of them. I forget how many, and they were comparing the results of several of them so if anyone was giving different results, they knew to, you know, fail one of those guidance computers successfully. So, hey, thinking of infra as a product and infras helping our creators, our developers, and our internal people be more productive, one of our values is getting stuff done. We try to both take the long view and innovate. We also get stuff done and execute. What does it feel like if I'm an engineer and I'm going to graduate from college in a couple of years and join Roblox in 2025 and start writing services? What could it be like for me as an engineer inside Roblox? Okay, so 2025. So you're giving me three years? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. So I've got three years. I wave my magic wand. By the way, Dave, we've eliminated all outages. 100% uptime <laughs> in 2025. Yeah. But for that new college grad who's joining Roblox three years from now, I want that new college grad to come in and just be unbelievably productive. We started chatting earlier. You know, I said that I like building infrastructure. I'm interested in the scale, but I'm also really interested in making sure that infrastructure is really easy to use. Now we're getting into that easy to use part. Because it's one thing to give people a platform that, you know, scales infinitely, has reliability built in, like all these awesome things. But if it's too difficult to use, it's still not fulfilling its purpose. So that new college grad, I want them focused on building an awesome Roblox product 99.999% of the time. They should not be thinking about how they're going to store their data they should not be thinking about how they're going to automatically scale up in response to user traffic that's coming in. They should not be thinking about how they're going to gracefully degrade if some of the services that they depend on are having trouble. They're just locked in, focused on building this amazing product. And all of those other things that I just described should be taken care of by infrastructure. And to highlight what scaling up is, if I um, came into Roblox and on my first day, wrote a little line, you know, one line of code that modified part of our backend services. I believe what you're saying is I might not know where this code is running, how many copies of this code is running. We may have five or 50 or 500 instances of this running. This is all automatic. That's right. You might have a million instances of it running, cool. but you're really just focused on, you know, what was that problem that, that I'm trying to solve? There's another element to it, and we 
you use the word product before and the use of that word is really important to me we use it internally a lot you know sometimes we might get the idea that like oh unless somebody's giving me money for something i'm not building a product to me building products is a it's a mentality it's an approach and what it means to me is that as infrastructure as an infrastructure team you know it is our job to make our customers successful and a big part of making our customers successful is making sure that they are productive. And it's not just with the systems that we build, it's with everything that goes around it. It's how we support them. It's how we answer their questions. It's the excellent documentation that we build for them for these internal infrastructure systems so that they can be as productive as possible. And so it really is like building a product that we are offering to the market, just that our market is Roblox engineers. I'd like to get back on the notion that we we right now have a thousand going on ten thousand internal Roblox engineers, and then we have millions of creators and developers, and and there is this notion someday that parts of our infra may be used by both. Imagine a key value store that we can use internally, and it's massively reliable and scalable and cost efficient. And an external developer can use it because it's super easy to use. In one way, it seems more difficult to build those two systems and make them the same. Do you think that difficulty might ever be worth it, where the benefit of that added difficulty gives us kind of all of it, ease of use, scalability, performance, reliability, cost? Yeah, I, I, I do think it's worth it. And I will tell the team this sometimes that, you know, even if that's not the specific goal today, I want us to have that goal in mind and everything that we do. I've seen this play out in other environments before where you build the thing for the internal users and then you build the separate thing for the external users. And then it's almost inevitable. At some point, you end up with just this enormous overlap and you're like, why can't this be the same thing? And the answer is, well, it's just not how we built it. And then you get to do like, I call it the eight-year stack merge project, where it literally takes like many, many years to take these two systems that kind of do similar things and blend them into a single stack. And so the way that Roblox internal engineering is growing and the way that our external community is growing, I think the key value store is a great example. This is the kind of thing where we should be thinking about it now because I think it is natural that over time this comes into the same system. And I don't want to do the eight-year stack merge project, right? Like, I would like for this to, I, it's not like we're going to flip a switch and all of a sudden it's the same thing, but I'd like to do it in like six months. I'd like to do it in a year and then have internal engineers, external developers all getting the same benefits of automatic scale, easy to use. And then we're going to be able to operate a more reliable system because it's just one stack to having to take care of multiple things. Yeah, I think that's a great demonstration of our take the long view value in that if we can see two to three years out, we may want these to be the same system. We take very seriously, it might take a little longer, but let's start building towards that same system now rather than ignoring what it could be in three years, which can sometimes be hard work. Totally. And, and this comes back to that element of massive multi-tenancy that I mentioned before. I'll talk with engineers on the team. I'll say, look, you've got a thousand customers today, but imagine that you had 10 million. What yeah, would yeah. break? And you don't necessarily need to build it for 10 million today, but at least think about it. 
And just that thinking about it will shape your design decisions that leaves you in a better position so that when it's time to take on 10 million, you're in a better spot. Okay, I'm going to quickly play stump the vision for future things that could be the same. It's not really a stump. It's a fun brainstorm. <laughs> Key value uh, persistence is a really fun one that we could think it could be the same. I'm going to go through a bunch of my other favorites and just you don't have to really predict as much as give feedback. One <laughs> is for those, once again, for those not familiar with systems like Roblox and others, we bring in billions if not trillions of things called events someone launched a game someone installed someone played and there's a lot of places where events and the analysis of events can be used for our monitoring for our product leaders to compare functionality and ultimately our hope is that young people learning data science can capture events in their own roblox game and write queries and compare that so what's your thought on event ingestion as well as running really complex queries across a, a giant lake of events? Could that ever be the same system? Yeah, absolutely. That can be the same system. We've already got some elements of this running today. We have event ingestion and some degree of processing running on-prem today. And as we think about what Roblox developers are going to need whether they're just starting out, like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just learning how to program. They're just learning how to create these experiences or like, we've also got some really sophisticated developers on our platform. They're going to need some pretty sophisticated tools to do data analysis, to understand what's happening with their own user base. And if you look at the needs of those developers and you look at the needs of the types of things that we need to do internally to understand what our users are doing again, like I see convergence. Yay. I like that. Um, okay, Max, here's a more out there question about whether we could have the same infra for our internal engineers as well as external developers. And that's the really rich area of using ML to help in a wide range of functions, all the way from a Roblox function, which is search and discovery and matching people with amazing content all the way to areas we don't even understand, uh, creator tools, developers building Roblox Studio plugins to help build content to magically change the style of 3D experiences. Could you see ML being a piece of our infra that both use? I think, yeah. I mean, the, the question that I ask myself is, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, starting there, what's fundamentally different between like, these are customer bases, right? What's fundamentally different? Yeah, the specific use cases might be distinct in certain ways, but the basic things that these audiences are trying to accomplish from an infrastructure perspective, there's a lot of overlap there. And then there's the question of, you know, what's the right way to expose it? Um, I think it would be really exciting if we talk about bringing these things together, but like, what if we were mostly focused on the external users and we built it in such a way that, you know, Roblox, like Roblox engineers, Roblox machine learning model generators, specialists, like what if they could basically use that system? And so the question I ask is like, what about that system that we want to expose to, to external developers is not going to meet our internal needs? It's challenging. I've been in situations like this before where if the internal needs are too specialized, you can end up in a difficult spot. 
But there's still an opportunity if you build the general platform, you build the general infrastructure that you might still end up with some amount of specialization for your external users and some amount of specialization for your internal users, but still that baseline platform could be shared. For something like machine learning, I don't see why not. Cool. Hey, popping back to reality, because this stuff's so fun to talk about, but I want to highlight the the level of rigor we run as well uh, with some of the metrics you run on infra that we run through every week with our executive team and in our board meetings. You've already touched on these, not as metrics, but on goals for infra. But when we convert them straight to metrics, can you share what a couple of the key metrics for our infrastructure are that we track all the time? Yeah, sure. So the metric that I pay the most attention to relates to our reliability. And there's lots and lots of different reliability metrics that you can track. But just at the top level, you know, we call it player uptime. What percentage of our players who log into Roblox and, and want to play a game, want to engage in an experience with their friends, what percentage of those engagements are, are successful? Like, you know, they play a game and nothing, nothing unexpected happens. And so we look at that one really closely. We can dig down a little bit deeper. We have, um, we, we collect a lot of data related to, to incidents and outages, like situations where um, Roblox is not as reliable as we want it to be. And we have different severities for these types of outages um, based on the percentage of players that are impacted by it. And so this is why it's sort of like a drill down from player uptime. Now we're looking at like well, what percentage of the players were impacted when this um, outage occurred. And so we're tracking the number of, we'll call them Sev zeros, Sev one, Sev two, Sev zeros, like the most severe type of outage we might experience. We're tracking how often those things are happening. We're also looking at repeat occurrences of incidents. I, I said earlier that, you know, we don't, we don't aim to build a perfect system. We aim to build a resilient system and no amount of paranoia upfront is still going to capture every single possible failure mode within a system. So things will happen. Then the question is, what do you learn from it when those things happen? When there is an outage and the system failed in some way that you didn't anticipate and it ended up hurting your users, what do you learn from that? And we want to collect as much data as we possibly can from each one of those incidents so that we never have the same incident twice. So one of the things that we're looking at is how often are we seeing problems that we've seen before? And we expect that number to go down over time as we make our systems more and more reliable. That's awesome. When we did that little prototype out in 2025, and I think uh, from the outside, when people look at companies like Roblox and they think of innovation, they think of avatar system and graphics and scale and things like that. I personally believe there's just as much, if not more room on the infrastructure side for innovation, which goes side by side with iteration, small improvements, fixes, short-term things. How do you feel about that, Max? Am I, am I over-optimistic or... Do you feel that same window for innovation and infrastructure along with all the other user-facing things? The answer has to be yes. It's one of the reasons that I'm here. Roblox has this amazing track record of innovation and like just this innate desire to keep innovating. Like there's this ambition here. 
And that, that was hugely appealing to me. Like that's a big part of the reason that I'm here. When I look at the scale that we are running at today, like it's big, like we've got some fairly large systems. When I look at the trajectory that we are on, I get really excited about the systems that we are going to need to build and evolve to keep up with it. Um, and this cuts across compute and storage and networking and hardware and data center design, like all of these things across the board, I can look at it and I can say, okay, we're at, what'd you say, Dave? Like we're at 50 million daily active users, right? Yep. Our goal is to get to a billion users. That's right. Um, there, there, there's, there's a gap between 50 million and a billion users. What needs to happen with our systems in order to scale up like that? And these are a bunch of problems that haven't been solved yet. Some of them I can sort of see like, okay, yeah, there's a standard pattern there. And that pattern may work for us or it may not. But particularly when I start looking at our edge data centers and running all of our developers code, like computationally intensive workloads at the edge, at scale, unpredictable, we're going to need to invent a lot of stuff. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I agree with you, Max. Inventing is fun. And it's it's been such a pleasure to hang out with you today and hear a little bit of your vision of infra. And I think that that closing discussion around innovation just caps it off because I'm really excited about all the innovation our whole infra team, you included, is doing. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, thank you, everyone. And that's all for another episode of Tech Talks. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to find out more about careers at Roblox, check out roblox.com forward slash careers. I'm your host, Dave Bazuki. See you again next time.